you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth thing that is architecturally all the rage right now are micro apartments in new york city big buildings and empty complexes are being converted into tiny shoe boxes stacked on top of each other AKA micro apartments. In the Brooklyn shipyard, in the Kipps Bay area of Manhattan, these places are popping up all over for between 2,500 and 3,500 a month. Hmm, that's not a very micro price to me. But today we're gonna be learning how to deal with these tiny spaces and how to maximize your minimized apartment. I'm Betsy Helmuth, and this is Micro Apartment Major Ideas way before micro was in. I did a lot of small space living. My very first apartment in New York City was a generous 150 square feet. It was smaller than that because when I outstretched my arms, I could touch both sides of the room and it was as long as I was doubled. In other words, about 11 feet long and about five to six feet wide. And I distinctly remember how wide it was because I had a loft bed. The good thing is it had a little bit of height, even though it had no surface area to speak of. So I was up in the loft bed and I would have to curl my legs in order for my head and my feet to not touch the walls. This space was small on Restaurant Row in Times Square and I made it work for over a year. Not long after that, I moved to another small apartment, 225 square feet in the West Village, basically a glorified shoebox, a very small space for almost six years. So if anybody is an expert in this micro apartment trend, I'd like to think it would be myself. Today, we're going to be talking about ways to live in spaces like these and ways to make them feel better and to maximize their Good points minimize the not-so-good points. Let me dive in by offering some do's and don'ts. My first don't is don't go too dark. So this is a controversial tip in that if you Google dark paint colors, small spaces, there are a lot of designers who say it does not matter. The tone of your paint in terms of its shade really does not influence how you're going to feel in a space in terms of size. 
And I want to agree, like I think it would be awesome to paint your tiny micro apartment a deep navy, but I do think it makes it feel a little bit cave-like when you're talking about these extremely small sizes. So my recommendation would be don't go too dark with the furniture or the paint. Rather stay in a mid to light palette, especially with your paint color and potentially with woods and fabrics inside. Now, I like going with a light blue, so here's my do. If you're in a super small apartment, it can be a great idea to utilize the color light blue for wall paint. Light blue has connotations of vastness because we're used to seeing large expanses of light blue, be it the sky or the ocean. So we just automatically associate that color with openness, airiness, expansiveness. So a small studio in a light blue can be the perfect combination to help you feel a little less boxed in. Here's a few of my favorite light blues if you're out looking for some samples at Benjamin Moore. My first favorite is Iceberg. It is a gorgeous light blue that doesn't feel too little boy's room, which I think is a trap with a pale blue color. Uh, it's sophisticated, but not too saturated. Little full disclosure moment, I have it in my master bedroom and I just love it. It's tranquil, but fresh. Another one that I like is silver gray and it is more saturated it's a little bit darker a stronger bolder hue but it's still a sophisticated silvery blue as opposed to a perky juvenile one i also really love beach glass which gets a little bit deeper and incorporates hints of green but that's for someone who's feeling a little bit bolder and wants to make more of a statement with the color so those are my top three blues today. Let's talk next about another don't. I don't feel like everything in a micro apartment should be multi-purpose. When people come to me and they're in a small space, they say, Betsy, wouldn't it be great if the dining table could also be my desk, could also be my work table, could also be my ironing board? And yes! Yes, that would be great, but sometimes when one piece of furniture needs to serve so many functions, it doesn't do any one of them correctly. Case in point, in my 225 square foot studio, I had a table that would fold out to become a dining table, but day to day was quite small, a narrow rectangle that I could use as a desk. And I thought it was so great, so multi-purpose, and it was so affordable. I got it at a flea market for $15. So I was very excited about this purchase and all of its possibilities. I told you I lived in this space for almost six years. I expanded it to a dining table an exact total of twice in those six years. First of all, if you're living in a micro apartment, you might not be having a lot of lavish dinner parties. And even when I did have parties, because I did have parties, but they were more casual. It was very hard to get four people to sit around that space and not completely clog up every walkway. So we didn't have a table. For most of my events. So it also never served fully as a desk for me because it didn't have drawers. It was quite narrow and gave me no opportunities for storage or cord concealment so I could always see my computer cord and the lamp cord behind it. So it never fully functioned as one thing or the other when I was trying to make it this great multi-function piece. I would have been better off just getting a desk with drawers and just using it as a desk. 
So something to think about. Whenever people ask me, Betsy, shouldn't this ottoman turn into storage, turn into a lift-top coffee table, turn into a step stool for when I need to get up in my cabinets? And it could. Those things exist. But when items start to be too MacGyver, when they can do like six things, I start to wonder how well they do any one of those things individually. Keep that in mind. I'm not so into the multifunction. What I am so into is clear furniture. So I do love adding a few clear elements to a small space just so that you still get functionality out of a piece of furniture, but that it's not heavy and clunky as it might be if it were made from wood or metal. So instead, I look for something made of acrylic. CB2 has great acrylic console, nesting, coffee tables, side tables. I also really love acrylic furniture from Overstock.com. You can find great acrylic dining chairs, acrylic lamps. There's really a lot of options and I think it just makes the space feel a little bit lighter. You could also opt for glass. So you could do a glass coffee table, a glass topped dining table. I happen to love certain ones at Pier 1 and Crate and Barrel. But the problem with glass is that, you know, if your space is very tight, you might bump into it a lot. If it has sharp edges, that could be uncomfortable. So really my go-to is acrylic in that typically it has rounded edges that are softer if you did bump your shin on your acrylic coffee table. So think about clear because the space will look less visually cluttered with furniture. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Then the other thing that I love to consider in a small space is adding drapes. Floor-to-ceiling drapes will draw your attention to one of your room's assets, which is that it has height because, you know, your small space, no matter how micro, is going to have ceilings a minimum of eight feet because that's the law. And perhaps it goes even further if there's loft opportunities. So having really long drapes that are practically floor-to-ceiling will emphasize the height and draw people's eye up versus drawing their eye around to look at your small square footage. I also love the idea of picking a fabric for those drapes that's not too heavy. In other words, staying away from velvet or a very thick print that's got a lining to it and instead do something airier and lighter, maybe a solid tone that's linen so you can get some translucency through the panel. 
I like that idea just because, again, it doesn't feel so heavy. Now, one thing that I warn people against is my clients call me and they say, Betsy, what do you think about a Murphy bed? Let me, let me tell it to you like it is. First of all, Murphy beds are not cheap. They are upwards of $1,000 for the most basic Murphy bed. And that's not even including the installation. So that's the first thing. The second thing is a Murphy bed will only provide you with empty space. So you cannot take away every night a sofa that's in the place where the Murphy bed is going to drop down. It's not that space that a Murphy bed needs, that queen or full bed space that's going to be folded down, cannot be taken up with furniture or else you're going to have to move that furniture every night when you want to utilize your bed. So unless you just want open space to practice yoga or just to move freely around, a Murphy bed is not the answer. Like if you're hoping that you can now accommodate a sofa as well as a bed, that's not the answer unless you get one of those tricked out Murphy beds that when it folds up has a sofa underneath that folds out. Now those are very expensive. Those are upwards of $3,000, not including installation. And again, we're getting into that MacGyver thing. Now the sofa is not very comfortable because it's a part of a futon and the back cushions fold down and it's very unusual. And now your bed is a little bit compromised and that it's tight. I just don't feel like Murphy beds are often the answer for people, even though they're really hoping that it will be. But I find that unless you just need open space or an uncomfortable couch, you might want to go in a different direction. The different direction I chose to go in for every single studio apartment I lived in, which spans over 11 years of my life, was a futon. Now, I know, I know futons get horrible raps. Futon is not an F word, people. It's not. I think you can really make a futon or sleeper sofa work, but here's a few things to keep in mind. The first thing is futons get a bad rep because people say they're uncomfortable. But it's not actually the futon frame that is uncomfortable. It's the futon mattress. And the thicker the mattress, the more comfortable your futon. So invest a little bit more money in the actual mattress and not the futon frame. And you'll find that you have a great night's sleep. I had a great night's sleep for nearly 11 years. When I put my futon into the curb, a little part of me died. I did cry. Because I loved it so much and it was so functional and liberated me in my space and gave me the opportunity to have both a sofa and a bed in a comfortable way. There are also comfortable sleeper sofas, which you can find at Room and Board. My clients really like American leather. And Crate and Barrel uses the same manufacturer as Room and Board. They just have a more limited selection. But I really find that their sleepers are comfortable as well. So those are three places to explore. Now the issue with a sleeper sofa or futon is that you are left with bedding that you then have to reckon with when you fold up your, your futon and want to use it as a sofa. So I love the idea of doing drawers on wheels underneath your futon. They have great low baskets on wheels that are meant to go under a bed at Pottery Barn. They're called the Jacqueline Baskets, and they would be ideal to wheel out and put your pillows and sheets and quilts in when you fold up your bed. Now, if you have a sleeper sofa, you don't have opportunities to have that gap under your sofa. So what you'll want to do, you might want to get an upholstered ottoman that has storage inside and put your bedding inside that. So that is the one thing you'll need to consider when you do get a sleeper sofa option. It's not that all of a sudden you're free from any 
issues, the bedding is something to contend with and you'll want to think about that before you choose that direction. Something else you want to think about in a small space is lighting because floor lamps and table lamps take up that much needed surface area that's so important in small spaces. But the other thing that's important in small spaces is really making them feel cozy and welcoming with decent lighting. Now, overhead lights are harsh and unflattering, which we know from all my classes, my book, my podcast. So what's a gal to do? Well, I recommend going for wall sconces. Now, a lot of people know wall sconces as the things that are hardwired into the wall. And getting electric in your wall is just annoying. It's also expensive. But you can do a wall-mounted lamp that has a slim cord cover that comes down a metallic cord cover to cover the plastic cord. And that way you don't have to have it hardwired. It's as easy to hang as hanging up a picture. Just use a couple of screws. And I really love them on either side of a sofa. I love them on either side of a bed. And that slim cord cover can just extend down behind the nightstand. And that way you have the complete nightstand or if it's by a sofa, complete side table to use for storage for your cell phone charger, books, remote. So I really love using the walls as a surface. Now the other thing you can think about is going up. Think about bookcases. My recommendation for a super small space would be a wall-mounted bookcase. Something like CB2 has. They have a whole series of wall-mounted bookcases, which essentially means that the bookcases have two legs in the front. They don't have back legs. The back prongs attach to the wall with screws so that it is really the most compact experience you could have with a bookcase and it will feel a lot less in your way when you're passing through. So these are just some ideas for small space living. Certainly I have a lot of ideas that were tried, tested, and ultimately approved after 11 years of studio living. So if you have questions about your small space, if you're one of the lucky people who is buying or renting a micro apartment, I want to hear from you. Reach out to me at Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. I'd love to take your questions. I'd love to hear about your experiences. And of course, I would love for you to join us next week. That's all for now, folks. Until next week, thanks so much. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out. 
Follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.